0: Welcome back to Screen of Consciousness, a celebratory podversation about the films and television shows we love. Welcome, thrice welcome to our third season, which we are so excited to bring you in the second year of the coronavirus pandemic uh, with changes, changes that have taken place. Uh, But Jonathan, first you have a message to our listeners. Yes, I do.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's great to have you listening to us again. Uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe to us on uh, Spotify or on Apple Podcasts or on Google Podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter at Screen of C or on Facebook and Instagram at SFC Podcast. So please reach out, talk to us, get in touch, subscribe. Um, now, obviously, yes, Dimitri, you have some very exciting news
0: before we go into this podcast, don't you? I do. Finally. After a year, I, it's, it's been 11 months, I think, since we started recording. Not releasing, but since we started recording. Mm. And I made a little joke in the beginning, which I dropped because it was irrelevant. But now it finally has come into its right. I am coming to you today from Russia with love. I have managed after 13 months being stuck in Denmark uh, due to the pandemic travel restrictions to come back to my home city, uh, to my apartment. I'm looking out over St. Petersburg, Russian's window to the west, and recording on a new fancy microphone, which Ooh, hopefully... Exciting. Uh, which you can hopefully, hopefully hear works. an improvement. Exactly. Can you
1: imagine? No one can hear you for the whole of this podcast. And they're like, oh.
0: Yeah.
1: But no, it's, it's, it's nice that you're in Russia back to russia back in the ussr as the B-H back in the say. ussr let's yes. hope paul mccartney doesn't sue us for that reference <laughs> no
0: i suggested to jonathan that we take a stab at uh, singing that little jitty but um, jonathan oh no. said it would be completely illegal
1: oh no they'll have our thumbs oh is it what, <laughs> what do they say in the simpsons um <laughs> yes mo says they'll take my thumbs <laughs> they'll take my thumbs exactly and also i was thinking of um, the one where they talk about paul newman He'll have my knees for that or something like that. (laughs) Paul Newman's gonna have my legs broke. Exactly. Exactly. Paul McCartney will have our legs broke for talking about, you know, any Beatles (laughs) songs. Um we're just joking, by the way. I'm just going to say that in case we get sued for something. I mean, people love suing nowadays, don't they? Let's be real. Yes. <laughs> but not in Russia. You've got freedom in Russia, right? So, you know, unlike in the West where I am, I'm still trapped in London, by the way. Um, not leaving the house. You know, looking out my window, crying, wishing for the day that we could actually do some normal stuff. Anyway, oh, now Jonathan, tell us about your stuff. fox
0: friend, though.
1: Oh, look. Let, let's 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 just get into what we ta- hear about. You know, it's not it's not our personal woes, though, is it, Dimitri? Although I'm sure that we'd probably get more listeners if we did talk about our personal lives Everyone Um, else seems to Yeah. Oh yeah that's true So season 3 We want to start off with a bang don't we So we thought we're going to talk about you know Probably the most famous film director of all time, if not one of the most famous film directors of all all time, which is, of course, Steven Spielberg, or as The Simpsons says, you know, Senor Spielbergo, his non-Union Mexican equivalent. Um, But no, we're going to talk about the real man. Um, He's just done a lot of very famous films and, you know, most people would know who he is. I'd be surprised if people don't. Even a casual film film watcher would know Steven Spielberg, at least one of his films, um, so yeah, we thought we we just talk about his films because we you know we're fans, aren't we, Dimitri?
0: We are. Steven Spielberg is this interesting figure in the world of filmmaking because there are these different camps um, with regards to you know um, how to assess um, his his work. There's mm. a kind of uh, let's let's say roughly the sort of uh, artsy, slightly pretentious crew that will say, oh, you know, I mean, Spielberg is is overrated. He kind of he, he's to blame for the sort of popcorn cinema um, that we've seen a lot of for the last 50 years. Um, um, and there are people who dismiss him. Um, obviously, there are people to whom he's God, you know, just the greatest film director ever, or one of them. Um, I'm very much in neither of the camps. I certainly think Spielberg <laughs> should be appreciated. I also think, and I will talk um, throughout these two episodes, because this is going to be a double episode, uh, I will talk up Spielberg's dramas because those are actually the films of his that I like the most. But I think also, uh, which we will discuss in, in detail, one has to, uh, I think, look frankly at Spielberg's weaknesses. And there are a lot of them. And I think even <laughs> I in his best <laughs> films, they're mostly present. Wouldn't you say? I think there are a few Spielberg films where he doesn't trip up on those things on which he usually trips up.
1: Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, there's so much, so much has been said about him. So much has been written about him. I think obviously from our perspective, you know, we're we're doing a film podcast. We we can talk about lots of different angles, but I think we're going to talk more about what we like and don't like about him really, don't we? And I think, you know, there's Mm -hmm. lots of, you can can read and find lots of different arguments about how he is very technically proficient as a director. And all of his technical skills, um, I think for me, um, as we know, uh, I like someone who actually can tell a story, and tell mm-hmm. that story technically and also, you know, through narrative. Um, and I think you know, visual narrative is very important. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what Steven Spielberg does very well when he does it properly. Um, yes,
0: but I, can I jump in and say that yep. I think some of the criticism, which I do think is fair, and yep. uh, we're gonna, I'm going to bring that up very quickly. I think yeah goes on the fact that one he does repeat himself a lot. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, because he attacks very different genres. And I think, by the way, probably this is his great strength. He makes very different films. Yes. Um, But I think the weakness is that sometimes, whichever genre he works in, he does have these same techniques, both visual and narrative. I'm just going to say an an example, so this doesn't get too kind of theoretical. Spielberg loves children. Mm-hmm. And loves telling a story through a child's eyes, mm-hmm. or at least telling part of a story through a child's eyes. Yeah. And there have been great film critics who talk about how this infantilizes the audience. It's very manipulative. And I think they certainly have a point. And I think we can talk about how in some films this works, and in others, frankly, it's kind of uncalled for.
1: Yes. Well, we we certainly. I'm so. Well, let's let's just dive straight in then, because you know there's so yeah. many films we can discuss. I think. You know, most people who know about Steven Spielberg know that, you know, he started off at film school. Um, I've just looked up now that he did quite a lot of TV episodes before he became a proper director, a film director, which is really interesting. And he actually did an episode of Columbo, which I find really fascinating. But I think his kind of first film that really put him on the map, and maybe some people can correct me here, is a film called Jewel that was a TV movie that he made in 1971. Um, and it's kind of a thriller. I would say it's a thriller, right, Dimitri? And it's about a kind of truck that chases a man. Like So it's kind of a cat and mouse game where someone's being chased by a hi- down a highway. Um, I mean, I watched it a few years ago. And personally, it wasn't my favourite film. But I think, once again, from a technical point of view, I can see why people liked it. Because, you know, it looks pretty. Um, and also, you know, it's... Fairly interesting, but that's really all I can say about that film. I don't know if you have any other opinions about
0: it. I actually like it quite a lot. Duel, yeah, yes. So just to make it clear, Duel as a fight between two people, and not a jewel as a, as you know, a precious gem.
1: As in Jewel of the Nile, that famous <laughs> yes. Michael Douglas film that everyone loves, of course.
0: <laughs> um, but I think I think it's a really clever film, and I actually think it, I think it made Spielberg's career because it shows his strength. It's the, made on a very small budget but it's v- very efficient visual storytelling. Um, I would say it's kind of thriller bordering on horror sometimes um, mm. because there's this there's a man in a car going down a highway and he gets into this altercation and then, you know, continues, as you say, cat-mouse of pursuit um, with a huge truck. We never see the face of the truck driver. For instance, it's really like yeah. an inanimate representation yeah. of evil. Yeah. And um, I think... Um, I think it's very interesting. Some people have also pointed out um, it's kind of Hitchcockian, and I would agree. I think b- because probably it's so it's so sparse. Mm. And by the way, that's something that Spielberg forgot how to do very quickly. I, <laughs> I would normally. Have- You would not accuse him of being economic, you know. (laughs) You're
1: right; it is economic, but I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't agree. It's Hitchcockian. I understand what you're saying, but I mean, to me, it was just a bit kind of. It was too long. Uh, It was too long, and I think Mm. if it had been a twenty-minute film or a thirty-minute film, it probably would have been a lot more successful. But it really went on for a bit. I think there's only so much you can go go for doing the same kind of thing, Mm. Uh, you know, which is someone being chased by an entity um, before it gets a bit boring. Um, But regardless of you know. My personal opinion, there's a reason why it put him on the map, um, and the next big film he did was The Sugarland Express, starring Goldie Horn, which I've actually never seen. Um, Me I've heard either. of it, so
0: we'll have to skip. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, it looks interesting. I mean, I just read the synopsis, and apparently, it's a, it's a about a woman who breaks her husband out of prison, uh, and then kind of goes on a some kind of a big, you know, chase with the police or mm. something. So it sounds slightly similar to Jewel, actually, in that it's about a chase although I haven't seen it so I don't know if it is um, but that's just what it seems to be and then of course his next film which is you know everyone's favorite every film critic's favorite film ever made is jaws is it isn't it is it not i mean come on it has to be one of the most like beloved films ever made right
0: but it's it's funny because I guess that's of course that's the film that changes Spielberg's career and really changes Hollywood filmmaking because yes. it's the first summer blockbuster. Yeah, and I would say I definitely know some critics who absolutely loathe it. Oh really? For, for well, I guess for okay. what especially for what it did to cinema. Oh, well, okay, fair enough. But I guess that's more of an, a
1: perspective, mm-hmm. a modern like you know looking back on it, right? Rather than at the time. I mean, it was beloved, right? When it came out, it was such a big hit by audiences and critics. I would assume, um, and. Yeah, you're right. It changed Hollywood forever, for better or worse. It was such a massive hit. And it was obviously it's very famous for having all kinds of technical problems um, because the shark basically the shark wouldn't work properly. There was a big robotic shark that kept sinking and it kept breaking down, which actually made Spielberg have to direct the film, which we now see is, you know, very original and unique. And, you know, from the point of view of the shark so all those problems actually helped him to essentially be a better director and, and create a kind of very unique visual style. And he also used he in this one he did use the Hitchcock style of I can't remember what it's called when you the camera tracks back but pulls in at the same time. Do you, uh, what it's you, what you mean. he uses it multiple times. When mm. you know you know uh, I mean Hitchcock used it multiple times but yeah. Spielberg uses it I can't remember what it's called but you, you know the bit when um the main characters on the beach and the boy gets eaten mm. and then the camera kind of there's this weird, distorted view of.
0: But I actually uh, think that has a vertigo effect. Oh, is it called that? Okay, I'll take. Uh, I think, or ver- vertigo shot. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, but that possibly, a, be- well, I think because it recreates that feeling that people have who get vertigo. Plus, because I think it was especially popularized in Hitchcock's film Vertigo.
1: Oh, okay, okay. I mean, I know he used it in other films apart from Vertigo, but okay, fair mm-hmm. enough. We'll call it that. You know what I'm talking about if you know what I mean. I mean, it's a very, it's probably the most famous shot in the whole film,
0: right? That is again so efficiently shot, and yes, I would say it's. it became very Hitchcockian, and I think, look, I'm going to say it right from the start, I think Hitchcock is a far greater director than Spielberg, so I think Spielberg, if not pushed, would not have directed a film that well. Uh, I think, as you say, he was helped a lot by the mechanical errors, and so we don't really see the shark a lot, when we see it, it actually looks pretty crap, um, but... It's it's the fear of the unseen, you know, the tension, the suspense, which of course Hitchcock was the master of, mm. um, and I think that film works. And if, we have to say, John Williams, who is uh, f- not just frequent, he's almost you know a constant collaborator with Steven Spielberg, uh, one of the greatest film composers of all time. Yeah, and I think I think Spielberg has John Williams to thank f- uh, for his. Success, you know, in large part, and in that film, the score is so minimalistic, yes, so efficient, yep. so scary. It's so just important. fantastic,
1: yeah. I mean, I never watched Jaws as a kid, weirdly enough, it used to be on TV all the time when I was a child, and I feel like it's not really an appropriate film for children to watch. It's quite scary, I think. Um, but I, I watched it as an adult, and I did like it, I didn't think it was the best film ever made. Um, but my favourite bit, funnily enough, when you're talking about the shark looking crap is the bit when the man gets eaten on the boat with quite, quite slow, horrible. It's kind of a horror mm. moment, isn't it? But I think I think the whole bit on the boat with the three men getting drunk and having a fun time on the boat is kind of the best bit of the whole film. And it's got nothing to do with the shark, really, until he gets eaten by it, which I quite, quite like. I think that moment is good. And it's, it's weird that that moment's so visceral and... It's a character, he's probably the best character in the film, right? And he gets eaten, and and it's kind of, I hope I'm not giving too many spoilers away here, but I'm sure everyone's seen this film. Um, That bit, to me, is kind of the the best bit of the film, and I feel like... I I, I agree with you, yeah. Oh, okay, cool, that's good. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I think Jaws, it's funny, really, because I never really, I just didn't really, I can see why in the 70s it was such a big film, but it's kind of a bit just don't think it's the best film ever made for me personally. It's a, it's a good film, but it's not the best. So I, I kind of think it's a bit over overhyped, let's put it that way.
0: <laughs> I actually really like I have to say I'm I'm with the kind of general um opinion here. I love Jaws. I think it's um I think it's a great film and I think one of Spielberg's best. And I think what you just said before you know, the bits on the boat, I think that is why I love that and I think you know that's That's what Jaws has, that all its endless imitators, and I'm not just talking about shark films, I mean summer blockbusters (laughs) in general, they've forgotten because Jaws has a political, a very clear political uh, angle to it. It's actually inspired by a play by the great Norwegian playwright Henrik Ibsen from the late 19th century called Mm. The Enemy of the People. Mm. It's really weird, but if you read the play, as I did, I'm a huge Ibsen fan... Uh, you can totally see where Jaws comes from mm. the closing the beaches all of that stuff how the pe—the peop- person calling out a huge problem becomes the villain you know the shooting of the messenger I think that's really quite profound mm. and then of course Jaws has fantastic actors mm. uh, and it's yeah. also a film about class I've read a brilliant analysis you know there are these critical analyses of famous films that sometimes just like you know, they really take you to an unexpected place. But Mm. I think there's a point to that in Jaws where he says the whole film is actually the middle classes and the upper classes going against the working classes and screwing them over. Mm. Uh, Which, you know, is symbolized, I think, by the death of the working class man in a very brutal way, as Mm. you say. Um, And no one got it at the time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And there's actually a line, I mean, imagine that line in the 70s as well, where someone... I think it's Richard Dreyfuss' character who's this you know, middle class, well-educated man who talks about like, don't give me this working class hero bullshit. You know, he is very aggressively talking down to the working class. Um, mm. And of course that's Spielberg because Spielberg is middle class. Yeah. yeah. A- and I think that's also a time where American films started changing because they began to be made by middle class people rather than a lot of people from humble backgrounds who fought in the war, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think there's a lot of depth to that film that you wouldn't immediately think about. Mm. Uh, and I think that's that's why I do love it. Uh, well, I guess that's and I also so think, popular. by the way for me that's a huge difference between Jaws and Spielberg's other great summer blockbuster Jurassic Park which I th- think has no depth whatsoever. <laughs> well, we'll get Whatever, to that. Whatever. We'll, <laughs> we will get to that. But I think that's a big big distinction
1: and it's a shame we can't talk about Jaws 4. Which of course stars Michael Caine in one of his best roles of all time. That's uh, we have to talk about that at some point, but not in this one. Um, I would advise everyone to watch it. It is really is a terrible film. Um, so uh, the next film that obviously Spielberg made after Jaws, you know, he was riding high on a wave of success, was another well, an, another another film that most critics I would say is one of his best, which is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Um, now this film to me, um, I'd what, I had never seen it before. And I'd seen it. It's been parodied so many times in The Simpsons and loads of other films. And it, it had such a big kind of influence as well, didn't it, on film and, and cinema. Mm. Um, I watched it ahead of this podcast just to get ready for it. I watched it like a few weeks ago. And I have to say, I think it's one of the most technically well-made, terrible films I've ever seen. I mean, it is um, brilliantly directed but it is absolutely awful i have to say it was so boring to me i found it incredibly boring it was so dull and when you're saying about before about jurassic park kind of having no substance i have to say close encounters of the third kind to me had absolutely zero substance whatsoever it was just nothing really happens in it and i have to say i think the ending of the film is one of the worst endings i've ever seen in in history of of cinema oh, wow okay that's <laughs> and, i mean plenty of controversy <laughs> for, for a film that's meant to be taken seriously let's put it that way okay because obviously you know we're not talking about terrible terrible zed films right i'm talking about a film that's you know a big hollywood mm-hmm. blockbuster film the ending was awful and as i said to you i've said to you before i actually think the ending was worse than the ending of indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull and that's really saying something um but I know that you like the film, so <laughs> let's have another oh, I, view here. I just disagree vehemently. Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: it's one of these crazy Jonathan opinions. I think, yeah, I think it's it's this definitely to me is like one of Spielberg's three best films, um, and we'll get to the other two as we go along. As I said before, I do like his dramas. I think it's, um, I think it's a really deep film. It's it's a very interesting science fiction f- with a very kind of character, even like family drama. Focus, which I think is interesting. I also think, yeah, it's it's really beautiful, wonderfully acted by Richard Dreyfuss. I think Richard Dreyfuss is the best leading man Spielberg ever had, and Spielberg has said that he was kind of his alter ego. Um, whenever Richard Dreyfuss is in a Spielberg film, he's sort of representing Spielberg. Interesting. Um, and I think it was a mistake for Spielberg to stop working with him. Um, but I just, yeah, I just think it's it's a really, but it, it's a very emotional film. I think, which is also unusual for Spielberg. I do. I, I feel like yeah, you either either you like it or you don't. Um, Ooh, I love the ending. I mean it's, it's considered one of the greatest endings in film history. Oh, certainly Jonathan's opinion. No! Is, seriously is, is it? It's yes, so
1: sappy. Yes. It makes humans to...
0: communicating with extraterrestrial life forms oh, through John Williams music. I mean, How much better can an ending get? Oh, hell Um, no.
1: I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But using some kind of synthesized score to talk to aliens has to be one of the worst things I've said. I wanted to vomit in someone's face after watching that ending. It was so sickeningly sweet. It was was awful. And you can see where E.T. comes from after this. You know what? I guess what this comes down to once again is where me and Dimitri usually disagree is the narrative. And I think... As I will agree with you, I think the way that Spielberg directs the whole film and the ending, I mean, he's... It's so technically proficient. It looks beautiful, and you're right. The score is beautiful. Everything about it looks incredible. So, and and you're you you seem to always get quite emotional about that kind of stuff about about the packaging. Whereas I'm just like, well, the story makes no sense, and it's kind of crap. So why do I care about these stupid
0: aliens? That's kind of my opinion on <laughs> on
1: the on the, uh, on the story.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. I yeah, I'd, I don't agree at all that it doesn't make sense. I think it, it's it's a midlife crisis. I think it, it makes perfect sense. Um, <laughs> Fair I think we will get to speak. Spielberg stories that don't make sense soon enough. (laughs) And those will be the ones you like. Well, the next one makes no sense,
1: which is... Well, we can agree on that one. Which is a film that Dimitri and I watched for two reasons. One, because it's meant to be Steven Spielberg's worst film. And two, because uh, The Simpsons parodies it um, in a very famous way, where in one of the episodes, uh, I can't remember what the name of the episode is, it's the one where um, everyone decides to do what they want because Bart Mm. influences the town. Um, they the ferris wheel falls off um, its hinges I guess and starts rolling down the street and that's actually from 1941 which is this film that we're going to talk about I'd never heard of it before until we were I don't even know why we were discussing it but we decided to watch it together didn't we Um, when we were Mm -hmm. living together at film school and honestly I mean I think it's fair to say that this is one of the worst films ever made I mean it is just terrible isn't it Dimitri? How can we I don't know I I think we need to have our own podcast about terrible films to really talk about this mm. film in its in depth. But let's just say there was there's multiple plots. There's very there's loads of famous actors in it including Christopher Lee, which is obviously one of Dimitri's favorite actors of all time. And they're all just completely wasted because essentially what the film is, it's like a real life Popeye cartoon meets Tom and Jerry cartoon without any comedy. It's kind of insanely zany, but just completely falls flat. Is that a fair
0: assessment? Yes, but I actually think you kind of you know, you've missed the I think the to me at least, the crux of its bizarre awfulness (laughs) is that, you know, this is about nineteen forty one. It's it's about World War Two. The beginning of World War (laughs) Two. Japanese attacks on the US. And I think I think I mean neither of us are easily offended, but I actually I do think it's a bizarrely offensive film. And also made, you know, made uh, 34 years after the war ended with so many people still alive. I mean, it's, it's just, I think it's strange. It kind of seems to mock the war mm. Um, mm. in a way that I think, I mean, it's not funny at all. But I also think it's actually really disrespectful. Mm. Um, and just kind of shocking that, you know, this fairly privileged middle class boomer, which Spielberg is, um, would make such a film, just making fun of like people it, dying in the war. It's it uh, weird,
1: because it's written by Robert Zemeckis, who obviously we
0: we like. We, well, as, as, who's another middle-class boomer. But um, yeah, it's but, I think it's a very boomer film, actually.
1: It's a weird but, film, because, yeah, you're right. I, I never even thought about it. It's, they're taking a very sensitive
0: subject and they're making it a slapstick comedy. and Which is not funny. So it's not yeah. even that, oh, but at least, you know... It's funny. It's like no, it's really not funny, but it is offensive. Most of the um, comedy
1: comes from either people throwing bombs at other people or trying to have sex with women who don't want to have sex with them. Oh yeah, it's a very rapey film as well. Yeah, yes, it's it is. very so bizarre. A Again, lot of the jokes. not in a
0: funny way, in a genuinely nasty way.
1: Yeah, cuz there is a there is a big sequence in the middle when there's like a big party in a some kind of a nightclub and one of the men basically wants this woman to be his and this is why i say it's a bit like popeye because it's a bit like the villain in popeye i can't remember his name is but he like you know how he picks up um olive oil and throws him throws her over his shoulder and kind of carries her away because he's like i want this woman she's mine that literally happens in this film for that whole sequence he's dragging this woman away and she's like just put me down i don't want to be with you and he's like no you're mine kind of thing and that's one one of the big parts of the film that's one of the main storylines it's just so weird
0: and and this is also where we say you know it's 1979 it's not that long ago it's just bizarre that and you know this is a whole big subject for sexism in cinema but where it's like it is really sexist and demeaning to women for no purpose because yeah once again it's not funny it doesn't serve the plot i mean it's just kind of idiocy and a lot of famous people you know, both behind and in front of the camera. Obviously, all thought this was like cool, yeah. which is so strange.
1: <laughs> they all thought this was going to be I don't know, maybe a a new. I mean, I think to be honest with you, he was not happy with it, and I think this stopped him from doing comedy ever again. To be honest with you, I mean, he always does have comedy bits in his films, but I think this film wasn't meant to be an all out comedy, and it just completely fell apart. But that's um, funny. I
0: would actually say I think Spielberg cannot do comedy. Like I don't think he's funny. I, I don't think he's... I'm sure he's personally not a funny person. <laughs> well, and he can't do... Because I think all his attempts at comedy fail miserably.
1: Well, well, I would disagree with you here because... And we're going to move on to his next film, which is 1981, Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is the first Indiana Jones film. And we might as well talk about the Indiana Jones film. Miserable
0: film. failure, I As say. a whole.
1: <laughs> but he Gosh. does put comedy in these films, which I think is one of the reasons why they're so beloved. Because, you know, there are little jokes, especially in the third uh, Indiana Jones film, which is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You know, the banter between him and Sean Connery is Mm. one of the main parts of the film. And I think that's the reason why The Last Crusade is usually seen as everyone's favourite Indiana Jones film. Although I disagree, of course. Um, But um, because I love The Temple of Doom, because I honestly think that The Temple of Doom has the best, one of the best openings in cinema history. I love the opening of The Temple of Doom. Um, And I just think the whole of the Temple of Doom is great. I know that a lot of people now are critical of it for many reasons, um, mainly because it's very dark in its tone. Um, But I mean, yeah, I'm a fan of Indiana Jones. I know you're not. That's fair enough. But I think Indiana Jones, he's obviously he's gone back to making popcorn film. And I would say, as you mentioned as well, with Jaws, Jaws had that social realism. Whereas Indiana Jones has no social realism whatsoever. It is just completely fantasy. It's silly. It's fun. It's kind of action adventure, isn't it? And and there's not really any kind of social realism. I mean, yes, there's Nazis in it, but Nazis' faces get melted by ghosts, so can we really take it that seriously?
0: <laughs> no, I think it's very 80s, it's funny, it, it reminds me a little bit of uh, of um, the Back to the Future films, I think this is, I'm just so indifferent to these 80s films, I think Indiana Jones is complete crap, so there you go, I have an, a controversial opinion as well, I think they're kind of offensive they're obviously racist um, there's some very insensitive and unnecessary portrayal, I think of indigenous people Um, (laughs) they're sexist I mean is there any like I mean, the women and the way they're being treated I think is not very nice Uh, Um,
1: I don't know I mean the woman I'd say in the first film the woman is fairly good in the second film The Temple of Doom the woman who went on to become Steven Spielberg's wife in real life she is often mentioned as being one of the worst depictions of a woman in cinema history because she's just super annoying um, but I think she I think as I as a child, I hated her as an adult. I kind of appreciate why he put her in, because you kind of need that kind of annoying character to make it less dark. And then the third one, the the woman, I think, is actually quite a good character because she's evil. Basically, she's kind of the evil Nazi woman who Indiana Jones and his dad both kind of sleep with, which is kind of funny and played. And she's quite smart and and
0: silly. Um, I, I like I think the third Yeah you're right The third one is quite funny I, I like it mostly For Sean Connery But I just It's it's just interesting I literally like Fall asleep Usually when I try to watch Indiana Jones I think they I do just... go
1: on A little bit I have to agree with you here As much as I like them I do think they're Slightly too long And uh, I think the thing With Indiana Jones I like watching them But they are I think they are A collection of Sequences With a very mm. Thin string Of tying them together because essentially what people like about indiana jones is the raiders of the lost ark which is the first one the opening is very amazing you know visually amazing you know and iconic with the rolling rock and you know all that bit and the ending is also very iconic with the you know the ghosts that come out of the ark of the covenant and melt everyone's faces but the bit in the middle hmm a bit, you know, it's a bit forgettable. I think, and this happens in all of the Indiana Jones films, I have to say, I think they're all a bit forgettable in the middle, they're all a bit, they lose it a bit, um, and they just have really cool moments, and then the rest of the film's a bit kind of dry, which I will admit, even though I'm a fan.
0: <laughs> yeah, for me, it's, and I think that's a very interesting observation, I think I just I just never really have anything to latch on to, I'm also just completely indifferent to Harrison Ford, I think he's such a zero on screen, and <laughs> maybe they're too American, like somehow, yeah. I just never could, mm, they are in any American. way, engage with them. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean,
1: they are, yeah, I can understand what you're saying about the 80s, they are very 80s, um, which I like, but you know, you can, I can understand why you're saying that. But then moving on to the next film that Spielberg directed, um, which is also very 80s, also very, very 80s, 80s. E.T., the extraterrestrial, which for a long time was one of the hi- I think, one of the highest grossing films of all time, I think. It was a very successful film, even if I'm wrong about that, but it was it was very successful. And to me, E.T. now, this is where, you know, I talk before about sickening sweet, sickeningly sweet films. I think E.T. is just too sickeningly sweet for me. I never liked it as a child. I watched it probably once as a kid and I just never got it. I just thought, why is there a like weird Muppet walking around talking to children and then didn't really care about E.T. And then I don't think I've watched it since, to be honest with you. I think I probably should rewatch it as an adult, just to see if it has has got any kind of, you know, merits to it. I know that once again, it's a very iconic film. And it has iconic moments in it, like most importantly the bit when he rides the bike with ET and he flies through the air. That's obviously the most iconic moment. But so much of it, once again, is such an influential film that did very well, that was very successful. I mean, what do you think of ET? Like, I, I don't think I've ever asked you this question. <laughs>
0: It's interesting. Uh, we agree, by the way. We are, we're just trashing like all the great Spielberg films. <laughs> but I, I never watched as a child. I watched this as an adult, and it's another film that just leaves me completely cold. Mm. I think you're right. It is sappy. It's, I think, you know, when we say it's '80s, you know, that, that you know, it's not synonymous with bad. But I think '80s films have aged horribly i've said many times in this podcast i love 70s films and i think they're very timeless and i think a lot of people will agree with that because you know i'm not personally the biggest fan of the godfather but you know you can watch the godfather there's a timeless quality to it there is not a timeless quality to et mm. it's so obviously this kind of 80s yuppie film again like it's as you say it's sappy i think it's way too positive there's quite little threat i think really and this is see this is i think spielberg's weakness whenever he has children in his films he can't he can't bear to actually put them in peril so i think there's a lot of fake peril
1: yeah that's a good point Um, but we
0: never really fear maybe we fear for et but we never really fear for the child And and i would say i think that's a mistake i mean i think the lead of the film needs to be the child, not this weird Muppet, partially because the Muppet has very little expression, yeah, so he's not actually is... an interesting character.
1: I think the Muppet is quite... I think the E.T. is quite a disturbing and scary puppet. I mean, I'm not a fan of puppets anyway, as Dimitri knows, mm. but... You know, E.T. is quite creepy, I have to say. And I'm not... That's probably another reason I never really connected with it. Because you're meant to love this alien and fall in love with him and then be upset when, you know, he dies at the end or whatever. And then comes back to life, as they say in The Simpsons as well. Um, Reverend Lovejoy points out. Um, but, it,
0: yeah, it's just a weird film.
1: I just don't... Once again... I, I think spe- it is a weird Spielberg's film. Spielberg's very obsessed I
0: think it's another of these films that kind of drags on. But he
1: loves these aliens. Why does he love these aliens so much? I mean, I don't... He obviously made, like, because a lot of the films he made when he was a student and his short films before he became famous were a lot about alien sci fi extraterrestrial stuff. It's interesting that he's so interested in that kind of world. Um, And he usually, I
0: think, isn't very good at it.
1: Well, there you go. I mean, the, yeah, moving on from E.T. quickly, like, the (laughs) next War of the Worlds coming up. Yeah, I'll be in part two. I mean, the next film is an interesting film twilight zone the movie now he didn't direct the whole film he directed just one part of it which funny enough is ultra sappy so coming off et he did another mm-hmm. equally very very cheesy section for a film that's actually quite dark apart from his mo- his bit that he did um and this film i mean you need to look it up yourself because i can't talk about it now but this film was plagued with problems um most notably uh, in the first section of the film um the actor's died during filming because they had a helicopter stunt that went wrong and it killed the main actor and two children in Vietnam I think it was filmed in Vietnam or it was filmed in um, Southeast Asia um, and that basically destroyed John Landis's career because John Landis was the person that, that filmed that bit and it actually changed the entire uh, Hollywood way of how they worked with children actors um, and stunts because it was really a big shocking thing at that time and I think a lot of people tried to dis- distance themselves from this film, especially Steven Spielberg because he was obviously really successful um, so it's it's a, it's an odd film to watch especially when the first section you know that that man, you know the actor died and you know that the children died, it's, it's hard to watch it's very strange um, and yeah, is
0: that like? Because I have never seen it. Is it still in the film? Like the the uh, helicopter the story that they no they cut it? they
1: cut that helicopter bit out. Because what was meant to happen was <clears throat> the that part of the story is about a man who's very intolerant and he's racist, and then he essentially becomes the victim in in moments throughout history so he finds himself in Vietnam as one of the people getting killed by the Americans he finds himself in in like you know the Holocaust as a Jewish Mm. kind of victim um so it's a very serious moment a serious sequence but once again because it's the Twilight Zone it's kind of meant to have a twist it's kind of meant to be a thriller it it, and when you know he's dead and and people died it kind of makes the whole sequence very hard to watch and I think Mm. you know that's the reason why people don't really talk about this film much apart from how it it kind of influence the knock-on effects of how it influenced the way that we make films because, you know, why were there children um, in doing a stunt with a helicopter? You know, it was a, it was a, it was a dangerous thing that happened. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's odd. I, I re- really recommend you to look up look it up if you're interested in it because it's, it's interesting to read about even though it's really disturbing. Um, and then, anyway, then it was The Temple of Doom, which I love, and then moving on from The Temple of Doom, Steven Spielberg changed course completely and did The Color Purple so yeah, so we talked about The Colour Purple in our episode, season two, episode eight, called Oscar Snubs. Um, so we've already talked about that quite a lot. And, and, and yeah, Colour Purple, for me, I really like that film. I think it's a really good film. I think Spielberg at the time was criticised for doing it because it was a serious film and it's a drama. And yeah, he, he's just done all these kind of big blockbuster films, very family-oriented films, and then he suddenly does The Colour Purple, which is completely different from everything he's done before, I would say um and yeah he was you know as we know as we know from the episode we talked about before he was completely snubbed for it even though it had amazing performances and um you know lots of really great moments in it and i think with the color purple i don't know if we discussed this before but i really think the color purple as much as i like it it doesn't look like a spielberg film he doesn't really it doesn't look i don't think he really focused on the visuals in this film in the way that he normally did it looks very and feels very different from all of his other films i mean would you agree with that
0: Yes, but then I think, you know, maybe it was deliberate. I, I, mm. I also, you know, once again, I do, I do like Spielberg when he goes serious, and I think he can make very thoughtful and really, I mean, very tragic, gut wrenching films. This is probably this and the next film he did are probably his most tragic films in a way. Um, I'm, I, I want to like The Color Purple more than I do. I do think it's it's dated a bit I think it's very long it's very long um, it's
1: a very long time. I think it's almost three I mean, hours to its detriment
0: because I think others other Spielberg films can be long too and you know my favorite Spielberg film which we'll get to next time is long but I think it works here I think yeah it's it's too long it is two and a half hours you're right but, but it has great performances it's just such a you know it's just such a unusual subject matter for Spielberg or frankly for cinema in general at that time it's 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 an african-american story nowadays you know you would say is it appropriate for a white man to to direct a film like that but i think um, i think that's stupid in general and especially then i think it was very brave and it was, i uh, think it of was, Spielberg yeah. to kind of take on the story because you know if he hadn't directed it it's not something that would have been i think such a big success and it talks about you know the african-american experience uh in America of, uh, you know, just really horrible things happening. Mm.
1: Um, I mean, I love the book. I'm such a fan of the book. I read the book before I saw the film. And I think the film the film doesn't quite live up to the book, but I don't know how it can. Because the book is it's written in a very specific way. I don't think you could direct it the same way anyway. But mm. I think yeah, I think you're right to say it, it's serious. I think he was brave for doing it. I think in contrast to his next film, Empire of the Sun, which is also a very serious film about a very serious subject matter, and is also based on a, a autobiography. Um, I mean, I'm really, really not a fan of Empire of the Sun. I think when when you were mentioning before about how you know we have films from the children's point of view, I think this is a this is weirdly a Steven Spielberg film where the child is the main character, but the child is so detestable he's so unlikable it's really hard to get to just feel any sympathy for him I find and especially when he's in such a horrible situation and it's actually played by Christopher uh, Christian Bale um, the, the boy and the, the main boy in the film and I just I, the whole film is horribly depressing I think it's I actually think it's badly directed I, I don't think he did a good job with this at all I think he's actually made lots of mistakes in this film and how it looks I think it's just very long. Dry. It's it's and it's kind of miserable. I think that's the way to, I would say this film is a miserable film.
0: Would you Would you agree? <laughs> yes, I actually would. It's it's the film. I I remember watching I'm, many many Spielberg films. I have on DVD. Both the Color Purple and Empire of the Sun are among them, and. I was I was excited, uh, you know, because it's it's the kind of film that I would like. It's such a powerful true story. It's J. G. Ballard's autobiography. Yeah. He's, I think, a fantastic author, a very strange author. Also, someone who, you know, my goodness, his books are not easy to adapt because mm. it's a very specific tone and style and worldview. And I'm sure I haven't read the book. I could imagine Ballard's. This is to me Ballard's incredible skill um, and thoughtfulness that he could write a book about himself being stuck in a Japanese concentration camp because he was born in China. So this is during World War Two when Japan invades China and this young British boy is placed in a concentration camp. It's completely horrible. But trust Ballard to write about it in a way where he doesn't feel sorry for himself. Yeah, he, he, and I yeah. think he
1: intentionally, apparently, I haven't read the book either, but he does intentionally make himself not likable in the book. And I'm
0: sure, you know, I I'm, could imagine it's really powerful in book. You're right, in a film that's weird. Because you have a child in a concentration camp, and you're not really on the child's side. That's just very unpleasant. And also, I think... See, this is where I just don't think Spielberg... Well, I don't think he's a good enough director. Maybe good enough—that's too harsh. But at least he's not a director for this kind of film because he cannot do cynical well. Maybe this could be a really nihilistic, mm-hmm. cynical film. You know, something for Kubrick to direct, perhaps, mm-hmm. or even Hitchcock. You know. Um, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, Hitchcock would have loved it. <laughs> it would have been you know horrible. what I mean, right? But yeah. Spielberg doesn't have that. He, Spielberg is at heart as a super sappy man. Yeah. So yeah. he really struggles with making a cold kind of quite hateful film and I just think the result is like it's still cold and hateful but not in a like not in a good way it's just kind of weird mm. and awkward
1: I can't, I can't tell you how many arguments I've had with people about this film because um, a lot of people that I've met in, in when I, I work in television if you remember uh, a lot of you know pretentious people that I work with love Empire of the Sun they love it and I don't know why I really don't know why I've had so many arguments with people and they can never really justify why it's, it's a good film so if you love it please, you know, tweet, get in touch with us, tell us why, please justify tell me and Dimitri why it's such a good film why why we deserve to kind of change our opinion on it
0: I agree because I think there's other films, um, I mean I think even for for Jonathan who doesn't like uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, you know I think you can see where people are coming from I can certainly see the appeal of Indiana Jones it just doesn't work for me but you know I can see the appeal, here I am totally in agreement with you, I don't really see how, because even among Spielberg's Darker films, I just really don't think this is a good one. Mm. Um, And next time I will talk about two of uh, Spielberg's dark films, which I really love, um, and which I think obviously work in a way that I just think Empire of the Sun doesn't. Yeah,
1: well I think Um, on that note, we've got to the end of the 80s it's probably time to wrap it up because we can talk about... Except
0: for Always from 1989, which neither of us has seen, so... Yes, which also sounds sappy. Sounds
1: very sappy. (laughs) Yeah, I think it goes back to the sap. Thank you so much for listening uh, to the first episode, and... Our next episode, of course, you know, will be part two of Steven Spielberg.
0: Yes, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we have some very idiosyncratic uh, views on Spielberg and uh, that probably no one quite shares, but we'd love to hear your favourite and least favourite Spielberg films and maybe general opinions on his uh, directing. And uh, we'll be back next week. Bye-bye. Bye.